Mark, come on up here. There's no reason for me to uh, belabor. Mark is going to come up and talk with us today. We're going to share some things together. And um, uh, <clears throat> you guys maybe have been here in the past when we have... Oh, he's got a backpack. Watch out. <laughs> he's going to pull something out. Um, I... Uh, um, you guys know I'm very fond of, of, of Mark, and uh, he's been a, a great source of strength for me over the past several years, and um, um, <clears throat> I appreciate very much his story. You guys have heard some of his story, and, and um, maybe hear some more of that in the future, but um, he has been a, um, somebody, not only has been a great source of strength to me, but somebody that I really enjoy uh, bouncing things off of and dialoguing about spiritual things um, because one I just find him to be very wise but also uh, find him to have a different perspective sometimes about things that I really appreciate and um, so uh, we actually uh, because they've been home for a couple weeks they don't get to be around a whole lot and uh we uh, got to go to lunch this past week, and we ended up talking about some things that afterwards I kind of contacted him back and said, you know, I want to do something different Sunday. I'd like for you to be a part of it and ask him if he'd be willing to, and he agreed. And so uh, we are going to, some of you know this because I posted it on Facebook, but not everybody's on social media, so, so <laughs> I want to let you know that we are going to do something, uh, something I've never done before, very unique in the fact that we are going to talk a little bit today about a movie uh, and book. As you see, Mark has one here. How many of you guys have heard of The Shack? Show me with your hands so I know. Okay. How many of you have read The Shack? How many of you have seen the movie? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, that just helps us a little bit as we, uh, we, we talk about this today. And again, I've never done anything like this before. I want to talk about this book, this movie. Um, I like one of the things that I really strive for in preaching is is trying to stay very relevant to the things that uh, maybe we are experiencing or talking about or what's uh, being talked about in the culture and things like that. And um, I, just some reasons why, hopefully those things will come out today of why I'm doing this. But I, I kind of had these moments over the past several days as I was preparing that I thought, uh, you know, half the congregation is going to be sitting back with their arms crossed going, why are we talking about this in church? You know, and, and uh, so um, I hope that by the end of today, you realize why we talked about this. Uh, I want this to be an encouragement to you. I want it to be an inspiration to you, and I want God to use this time this morning. And so um, let me just preface a couple things very quickly, and then we're going to get into some themes and talk about some things. I, I hope that if you have not read the book or gone to the movie, that uh, this will whet your appetite a little bit, and uh, maybe God will use that in your life. But So why are we talking about this? Let me just give you three, uh, a cu couple different reasons why we're talking about this today. Um, the first is, one of the reasons we're talking about it is because it has become controversial. And I, as you know, over the past four and a half years, um, sometimes speak to things that become controversial in the Christian world. Uh, because I feel like as believers sometimes, we kind of get in our own way. I feel like as believers sometimes we actually um, complicate things that don't need to be that complicated. 
And so part of the reason we're talking about this today is because it has become controversial. And I believe a lot of believers don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. And uh, so I just want to, you know, discuss with you. I want to give you ideas today in, in how to respond. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you to go see the movie that, that uh, your preacher ordered you to see the movie. That's not happening, okay? But uh, I do want to be, uh, I want to speak to something that I think is complicated and confusing to us sometimes and doesn't have to be, all right? Um, sometimes, like I said, we get in our own way a little bit. And one of the things that bothers me a little bit is that we, um, uh, we, we unnecessarily look foolish to the world. I don't know if that makes any sense. But sometimes we unnecessarily look foolish to the world because the world is watching this movie and they are processing things about God. And sometimes, and I, I mean this with all due respect, I'm not trying to chastise anybody, but I do want to say sometimes that sometimes we as believers sit back and, and for whatever reason, we've judged this movie and this book with a different standard. And we've sat back and we've, we've criticized and we've said, told people that, you know, don't see that movie. That's a horrible movie. Don't go see that because there's things in it that aren't true. Like every movie and everything that we take part in all the time. And uh, what happens many times is people are processing this movie, and um, I think it, it, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm always talking about how it looks to us, but, but again, unnecessarily, we come across as like, you guys are jumping on this movie? I mean, of all the movies, you're getting mad and, and controversial about this movie and critiquing this and, and that kind of thing. And, and I feel like really uh, the reason I want to talk about today is that we miss an opportunity. Matter of fact, we miss two opportunities. The first opportunity that we miss when we just maybe dogmatically or, or we uh, listen to what everybody else says and or we read things on the internet or whatever, and we say, oh, I'm not seeing that, is that we miss an opportunity for you and for me, for you to individually uh, be blessed and learn something about God and learn something about yourself and process some, some very positive things, okay? So you miss an opportunity for you, <clears throat> and you also miss an opportunity for others. Like this... this, this uh, this story that's being told is a great introduction to people about God. A matter of fact, one of the things that I'm just going to tell you that I uh, I have I've gone with it to see, I've gone to the movie with my wife. Um, I've yet to take my daughter, and I'm I cannot wait to take my daughter because I want to process some things with her about God that I think is very important. And so I want you to understand that you, when we just blindly say, no, that's terrible, don't go see that, we, we, we miss an opportunity for ourselves, and we miss an opportunity potentially for people around us. Maybe you have a friend, maybe you have a relationship with somebody, and, and this is a great opportunity to talk about spiritual things with people. Scott, can I interject here? Go for it. I th uh, you know Susie is a musician, obviously, and it's it, a good analogy and a way to think about it is, if, if Elvis sings a Christian song or comes out with a gospel album, we go crazy and say Elvis is a believer. 
if Susie sings a secular song, people go crazy and say, that's not right doctrine. Amy Grant went through this 20 years ago when she transitioned into out of, quote, Christian music and into a different realm of, of music. The, the cannibals in the Christian community ate her alive. Uh, Ronnie uh, Dunn sings a, a song called Believe, and the world goes crazy and said, Ronnie's a man of faith. Susie s sings that song, and the world goes crazy and says it's eschatologically incorrect. And so I think what Scott's goal is today is to just help us uh, be fair and use the movie or the book to think about what is true, what isn't true, and how can we best assimilate what is true in, into our life uh, and not expect things to be, and if I could continue for a minute, doctrinally pure. If you want doctrinally pure, we need to go down to the, the first such and such a church and never ever leave there because we might jump bump into the Church of Christ people and they do communion different and they're doctrinally correct. And we better not go to a four-square church because they'll do the Spirit of God different. And we certainly, if we're in, in Mexico, attend a Catholic service with our, our dear, lovely friend down there because they have a perspective on Mary. So if you want to be doctrinally pure, you need to go stand in one little corner and stay there. During my ordination back in 1992, they said, uh, to me, Mark, you're a little weak on your end times. And I said, yeah, I am a little weak on the end times. So what's your position on this? And I said, you know, I'm not really sure. Here's, here's the position I choose to take, but I can't really prove it any more than I can uh, uh, prove a mid-trib or a post-trib or a, uh, a pre-trib or a pan-trib. And my doctrinal committee, who were all part of the same denomination, talked amongst themselves, even those pastors who were seasoned decade veterans could not agree with each other on what position on the tribulation they were going to take and when it happens. And, uh, and that was inside our own camp. And so they allowed me to say, this is what I think is true, but I'm not really sure ab about this. So I I'd like you to approach the shack with, with the idea that it's a story and there's some things in there we can hear about God and some things might be taken a little too far. I need to dig into the Word and find out. Some things might not be taken far enough. I better dig into the Word and find out. The same way when, we go, when you take your daughters to see Beauty and the Beast. Dig into the Word and find out. The same way when we watch movies on Saturday night dig into the word and find out um, so yeah I would just summarize as we get into some themes here let me just summarize my my basic message to believers in the church is this is relax relax it's okay to go see this movie it's okay uh, to um, to think about the things that are presented in it it's okay it's not listen Paul Young who wrote this book did not write the Bible <clears throat> No, he did not. He did not write the Bible. 
And, um, and so anyway, I just, I, I, I say that again, with all respect for the fact that sometimes, and, and not to say it's for everybody, but my first message is just for us all to relax and um, try to uh, shift away from uh, holding it to a different standard than everything else in the world that we don't hold to that standard. So, so what we're going to do is this. We are going to, for the next few minutes, we are going to talk about some themes from the movie, from the book. Um, if you've read it, if you've seen it, those things will maybe jump out to you even more. If you haven't seen it and you go see it, maybe these things will just kind of just plant a seed for you. Uh, but I also hope the things that we talk about are going to stand alone a little bit, even if we weren't talking about a movie. Right. Okay? All right? I want to start off and just ask Mark to share a little bit with, well, with uh, one of the first things that uh, sometimes we get hung up with. Um, and uh, I'll just let you run with that. Uh, are you talking about the Papa, uh, the Papa image? Mm-hmm. In the movie, uh, the, in, in, in the book, the main character suffers a trauma. In his life, it's a deep, deep loss, and he doesn't know how to deal with that. He becomes very angry, very distant, very depressed, and uh, then <clears throat> somehow, through the uh, magic of cinema, he ends up in uh, what we learn, come to find out, is, if you will, heaven or a place God dwells. And uh, the first way way that God appears to him is as a woman. And in this case, a black uh, Aunt Jemima sort of figure. And the second way God comes to him is is through uh, the Holy Spirit character, which is a beautiful, whimsical, uh, Asian-Mongolian type of young woman, playful. The third way is through a Middle Eastern, uh, very average-looking young man, who uh, is obviously Jesus. And the fourth way, there's your trinity, the fourth way is uh, maybe a, an Eskimo, uh, older grandpa, maybe a Native American grandpa. And God appears to uh, our character in, in different ways. And I, I want to offer you some things uh, about that. And I, I've made some, uh, some notes so that I don't miss anything. But Please don't be alarmed by that. I will say this definitively. God is not a burning bush. Do you agree with me? Yet God appeared to Moses as a burning bush. Completely surprised Moses. Completely unlike anything Moses would have expected. Anything Moses could have con- would have controlled. A burning bush and God speaks. Balaam was arrogant in his rage. And he's beating on his donkey. And he's expecting God to probably slap him or come to him in a lightning bolt. But God comes to him in the voice of a donkey that speaks. Is God a donkey? Of course not. But God appears to him as the voice of a donkey to serve a specific purpose in that man's life. God is not a storm, but yet Job, as Job wrestled with God and fought with God and engaged God at the end of Job, in the, in the, in the chapter that completely transitions and apexes Job's heart, God appears to Job in a storm. And then out of that storm speaks. Now, does, 
Does God have a mouth and vocal cords? Is, is God some kind of giant mouthpiece in the sky? Well, of course not. But he chooses to meet Job completely by surprise. In a storm of all things, I thought he came to us in a burning bush. No, I thought he came to us in a, in a donkey. No, I thought he came to us through another. And here he appears in a storm. And 400 years of silence, the Jews were trapped under an empirical, abusive, uh, a completely disheartening Roman rule. The Pharisees were going crazy on this end. The Sadducees had sold out on this end. The Zealots were saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. And the Jews were waiting for a Messiah, and a baby appears. A baby? Is God a baby? Of course not. But to disarm my arrogance, God comes to me in a way that I can never, will never control. And I don't want you to mishear me, but God met me one time after a weekend retreat to the beach. Three days, four days, three nights I spent on the Washington coats, listening to the waves crash in. And my intention was to meet with God. And I read my Bible and I prayed and it was nothing. It was silence. And I drove home somewhat disappointed. And then a Willie Nelson song came on. And I began to weep. Weep. And I pulled over to the side of the road, and God met me there. Now, is Willie Nelson God? <laughs> Some may think so. <laughs> so when this man is at his deepest need, God comes to him in a way that is completely disarming. His image of God had been a gray-haired grandfather who punished and who couldn't wait to catch us doing things wrong and watched us from the sky. And we get that because our mothers tell us that God sees everything you do. And we go, ah. I will tell you, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And some of us like to have our God a little bit wrathful. And we need to fear the Lord. But I will tell you this as I read scripture. We are afraid of God not because he's going to send us to hell. We are afraid of God because he knows us. Clay, I, I'm going to talk to you. I know you, don't I? Uh, in some ways. Have I ever blinked at your story? Anything you've, have I ever gone, oh my goodness. Have I ever said, you've got to pay for that? But there's something very unnerving when we see each other. I say, Clay knows me. He knows things about me very few know. And that's very unnerving because Meredith and him, 30 years from now, maybe having a nice dinner, I'm dead. And Clay may say, hey, did you know, did I ever tell you that thing about Mark? <laughs> the most unnerving thing in the universe, and I'm going to physically do this, is to be known. I see you, Clay. I know you. It doesn't bother me. Are you with me? I know your stuff, and I love you. Oh, I love you. That's unnerving, right? And I think that's the fear of the Lord, not the wrath of God that we're going to be punished. Sometimes I want to be punished. Just put me in jail for a week, and I'll pay my price to society. But to be known. 
And this woman comes to him and knows him. So that's my first thought, Scott. Um, that's good. I certainly uh, learned a lot myself right there as you're talking. Um, <laughs> it's a... <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, I'll add to that. In Pilgrim's Pro <laughs> Progress, something, a book we all, God comes as a character named Mercy. God comes as a character named Innocence. God comes as a character named Great Heart. In this book, Black, God comes and meets our character in a lake. Fabulous, fabulous book. Shall I, shall I go on? <laughs> um, in Tolkien's story, The Lord of the Rings, the Redeemer is a young hobbit who no one could expect. But that in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is God a, is God a giant talking lion? Of course not. But C.S. Lewis used this imagery to help us understand something about God. And I think uh, one of the things, just to, 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 to transition from that, but to leave this with you, it's very, um, it's very helpful in your individual walk with God when you realize that God will speak to you and reveal himself to you in different ways. That's very important to understand because if you don't understand that, you can miss things that, that God is wanting to use and speak to in your life. And so um, don't, I, I know it was one of the things that, that Mark was passionate about was he didn't, didn't want, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie yet, don't want you you know, uh, getting caught up in the fact that God reveals himself to this man as a woman and then, and then changes later. And um, so I appreciate the, the, the scriptural background for the fact that that's something that we see throughout yeah. history, that God has done that. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not uh, anything outside of scripture in order for that to be true. But let me, um, before we, things just zoom, 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 we run out of time, let's talk a little bit about, you talk about the... Um, the tragedy and the hardship and the wound that the main character in this story, in this movie experiences. And really the whole movie and everything is about God uh, speaking to that and revealing himself uh, and redeeming what has happened um, in this person's life. And so um, I think we should talk about that because it's really a foundational theme all throughout. It's very powerful. And I will say this to you that all of us have those things in our lives. All of us have wounds. All of us have things in our lives that are difficult. Um, but also know that, that some have experienced uh, just horrific things in their life. And, um, you know, I was watching the movie. My thought went to those friends that I have that have experienced stuff like that very quickly because I knew that there was an opportunity in this story for some healing from those things. And uh, Mark, you could probably speak to that um, from, from firsthand experience Just as well. the idea of healing? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we expect life to go well. When I take a road trip and I have a flat tire, I'm like, ugh, flat tire. If I have a road trip and everything's working perfectly, I don't go, yay, everything's working perfectly. It's how we think life should be. Something inside of, inside of us that was built for Eden, right, and built for heaven says this is how it should be. So we relax when things go well. But when things don't go well, we tend to uh, 
have responses toward that because we were never intended to live in a world where things didn't go well. That was never the intention. And so things happen to us. For example, and, and I could talk about a, a variety of the, these things, but after I was the, the record holder in a swim meet in Edmond, Washington, I had won the 15, 5th grade 50 meter uh, freestyle race. And I was a stud fifth grader. And I was a new kid in school. <clears throat> None of the other kids knew me. And on the way home that night, as parents can do uh, and think, oh, they're just kids, in those days, they pulled all the seats out of the back of the van. Do you remember that? Threw a bunch of sleeping bags and blankets and pillows back there to pat us in case we ever, in case we got in a wreck. And the, the, the alpha male and, and the alpha female, queen female, decided they wanted to sit next to each other. And so they invented this, this kissing game, sort of, of spin the bottle. Can we talk about real life or do I need to kind of pretend on stories here a little bit? This is church. I should probably pretend some. Well, the kissing game went like this. Where you're going to kiss the person in front of you, and then the girls will move in the middle. The boys on the stay on the outside. Okay, are you with me? Kiss the person in front of you, and now don't be looking at me that way. We're fifth grade boys and girls, okay? We're in the back of the van. The parents are up front, ignoring us completely, and they've thrown us in the back with sleeping bags and pillows. <laughs> parents didn't want anything bad to happen, so they believed nothing bad would happen, right? Just because I don't, I want something that doesn't, anyway. So I had my eye on this cute little girl, and I thought, well, she's going to come around. It's about four turns, and she's going to be in front of me, and I'm going to kiss, get to kiss the girl. Why wouldn't she want to kiss the 50-meter the freestyle champion? Well, she got in front of me when it was our turn, and she skipped. Here she came. She sat down in front of me. She looked at me, and she skipped one. I can't tell you, you can imagine, right? I, I can't tell you what that felt like. I'm not an adult, I wasn't an adult male who had the emotional grid to process that. I was a 10 or 11 year old boy and it hurt. It confirmed I'm a new kid in school, I'm an outsider. It confirmed I'm not cute. It confirmed girls don't like me. And we don't say these things in our brain when we're 10 years old, but we feel them in our heart. We don't have the words when we're 11, but we feel them. And that for some reason, that message, that time, that night, cut its way through the layers and wrote on, on my heart a sentence that went something like this. Don't ever Act like you want something again. Pretend like you don't want something. Because if you act like you want something, if, if you let yourself hope for something, you will get hurt, and that hurts too much. So act like you don't want it. Even if you do want something, act like you don't care. Well, that theme went on to everything. If I got a D on a spelling test, pff, I don't care. I don't want A's anyway. And it was a way I protected my world. If I didn't get chosen for a team, I don't care. Who needs that? I don't want it anyway. And it was a way I stayed safe for not being hurt. And it was years and years later 
that I had to face the fact that I had a 25 or 30 year history of protecting myself from people. Don't let people know you. Don't let people get too close. Don't pretend like you want something. Never show desire. Never show disappointment. Just be stoic. Be a rock. Because that, and my dad told me that's what men do. But I found out that that's not what men do. That's what 10-year-old boys do. Men have the courage to face what's going on inside. And my relationships were shallow because I was guarded. And then I'd say, how come nobody knows me? And then I was guarded. And women, so often you do, oh, come closer. Come, well, not that close. Come closer. Not that close. Come closer. Not there. In men, we get this mixed signal. Which is it? Come closer or go away? And we get confused because we get this. And that was me. When I faced that, I was with a friend, and he was drilling me on this. He says, I'm coming after you, Mark, because you've been stiff-arming me. And I said, bring it on, big boy. And he said, why are you afraid of being known? And I, whoa, that question surprised me like a female black god would surprise you. And I said, because if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And he kept drilling, what wouldn't I like? And he kept drilling, what wouldn't I like? Until I got to the point where I faced him like a man and said, I'm just scared. I'm just scared. Nobody loves me. And for some reason, that sentence grabbed a piece of my heart. And like that Willie Nelson song caught me and surprised me, God met me in that moment when I released my battle, when I released my block, when I released my fist. God met me and he whispered, I heard that. I heard that. And I'm still here. And I said, you can't still be here. You know my secrets. You know my corners. And he said, I'm not afraid of you, Mark. I heard God, in a metaphorical way, speak to me that way. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know if you've ever been brutally honest or, or had the opportunity or even wanted to be. But God met me there, and I wept one of, a number of times in my life. As I've opened up my feelings, I see some of you have tears now as, as I've talked about this. I've touched something in you. There's a scene in the movie where our main character faces his pain. And the Holy Spirit changes out of this little whimsical, beautiful Asian woman and becomes a very fierce woman, but very kind still. Am I right about that? And she goes after him. And she says, so what about this? How about this? Where are you here? And he answers her question. He stays engaged with her. And he has a beautiful moment where he releases his clenched fists. And his anger disappears. And he becomes somehow a transformed character. So for me, in part, I wept during that part of the movie. In fact, Susie was with me, and there was a particular scene that I didn't expect, and I just hid my, I, I really didn't want to watch it, because it reminded me of a scene out of my own life that's still very, I'd like to see the movie again and watch that, watch that scene. So Scott, I took way too long on that, but. No, you guys are good, right? Everybody? Um, what about Mazio's, though? There's a line at Mazio's. I know, I know. <laughs> 
they look at me and they say, trust me, he's not going to skip lunch, so okay. he'll get us out of here. Um, chalk all throughout the, the book and the movie are, you know, what Mark just described of this, of these things that take root in our life, these wounds, these scripts, these narratives that we get stuck in our lives. Um, all throughout the book and the movie, it is, it is God breaking those things down. Um, breaking down um, things that we believe that are hindering our relationship with God, and we believe those things, and so God wants to, he wants to break down that wall. He wants to bring it down. And, and what Mark just confessed about his own life and, and the wounds, but then also the healing of it, uh, you see that over and over in this this movie, in this book, and it's one of the reasons why it is so profoundly touching to all of us is because, um, uh, you know, we, you and I, we might not be able to sit up here and, and tell that story that Mark just told. Um, you know, he has a, a gift to speak. He has a, a ability to communicate that kind of thing. And, 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 but I know that as you're listening to him, you, you, you begin to identify with things in your own life that feel that way. And I just absolutely love um, us through this story and other things, getting to a place in our life where we understand that God is, he is that intimately involved in our lives. He knows you. He knows you. As, as, as Mark was saying, he knows you. He knows every doubt, every fear, every bit of shame, every everything that you have walked through and you have experienced, every experience in your life. God is so aware of those things. And he has this plan to disarm and to remove and to heal and to redeem and to use those things. And um, that is... Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like experiencing that without sounding like overly critical, that in comparison to religion and services and routine and do's and don'ts, like that's what we focus on. That's what we spend our whole lives focusing on is like all this other stuff that's like, please hear me properly, all this other stuff that lots of times God's not even in. Because what God is in and what he is passionate about is you. It's you. It's, it's knowing you. It's healing you. It's, it's having this relationship with you, you know, I, I preached just recently several messages about, you know, th this, this statement. It has always been and it will always be about a relationship. That's what it is. It has always been and it will always be about a relationship with God. That's why you exist. One of the primary reasons you exist, God wants to be in this in-depth real, vulnerable, authentic relationship. 
um, you want to say something about that before I go I, on? No, I think that's it. I, I think basic theology, uh, all of basic theology, I believe, <clears throat> comes out of the fact that God is three in one. God is community. And when God said, God created, remember God created the angels? But he didn't create them in community. He created them as independent beings. At, and, but God created humans in his likeness. God is community, and he created humans in community and wants us to be like him, so we long for community. And so one of the beautiful things about the book and the movie is that there's such a relaxed atmosphere amongst the Trinity, amongst the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They support each other. They look out for each other. They love each other, and there's no tension. There's no performance. Um, so, Scott, I, I'm going to let you end. I, I would say um, relax. Go see the movie. It's true. Jesus <coughs> told the woman at the well that God is spirit, and those who worship him will worship him in spirit, and it's truth. And because God is spirit, he can appear to us however he wants, however he wants. And God chose to appear to ancient Hebrews and to the ancient Israelites in the form of a father because they were a patriarchal society. And had he come in a mother then, they would have never, had he come in a goat, they would have never got it. But he came in a father and they could connect with that idea. So don't, don't be alarmed. Relax about it. This, this, this will come and go. And five years from now, something else will come and go. Five years from now, something, somebody else will write a book and it'll come and go. It'll be the greatest thing. So I'm not concerned really about it. Take what you can get from the book and the movie. And Scott, thanks for <clears throat> let me, uh, let me share a couple scriptures with you and then I'm going to wrap up. Mark, thank you for your words. Um, as I mentioned, uh, ultimately, um, the the greatest theme of the of the book, the greatest theme of the movie, um, but more importantly, the greatest theme of this book um, is the love that God has for us and the relationship that we get to have with Him. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. One comes from John fifteen. It says this, this is my commandments that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And listen to this relationship talk. You are my friends. You are my friends. If, I do, if you do what I command, you no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You hear the relationship talk? Listen to this from, from Romans chapter 8. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, listen to this relationship talk. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
Jesus says, you're not just servants, you're friends. And then Romans goes on to say, you're not just servants, you're actually sons and daughters. Because this is all about relationship. This is all about, listen, to someone who might ask me, they may say, Scott, why did you talk about the shack? Why did you preach on Sunday morning about the shack? Here's why. Because I will do anything I can do to help encourage you to experience the love of God. And this book and this movie, there is an opportunity to experience and to, to, to understand more about the love of God. Don't get hung up on everything in it. Listen, there's, there's scenes about judgment. Listen, judgment, I think I walked away just feeling like I learned to understand that judgment is so complicated and it's, it's why God's in charge of that and not me. Don't get hung up on certain things and whether or not this rider went too far. I want you, listen, I want you to experience the love that God has for you. I, uh, I carry this picture around in my Bible. This is my heart tree. It looks like a heart, doesn't it? Kind of. A little deformed on the right side there, but it looks like a heart. This is my favorite tree in the world because this was the only tree standing on top of a mountain right next to the Sea of Galilee that I got to spend a couple hours on. And um, beyond my fleshly need to find shade, I found myself, as a matter of fact, you can kind of see in this picture a little hat down here because that's me. One of our uh, trip mates took a picture of this and just happened to catch it when I was there. I carry this around in my Bible. Let me tell you why as I wrap up. I carry this in my Bible because underneath that tree, on top of that mountain, God revealed himself to me. I met, had an encounter with Jesus um, there underneath that tree. I, uh, I understood more about the love of God for some reason when I was sitting there underneath that tree. And uh, and the reason I'm telling you this is this. Cherish every opportunity and moment when God reveals himself to you. Cherish every opportunity when God reveals himself to you and he reveals him, his love to you and you experience that because you and I both know life's not like that moment by moment, is it? I'm not saying it's not possible, but that's not what I've experienced. 
I experience a lot of doubt, frustration, worry, anxiety. I experience a lot of feelings like Mark talked about, feeling rejected, unloved, different things like that. But the most important thing in this life is having a revelation of God's love for you. The reason that I would talk about a movie is because though I may not agree with everything the author might have in his doctrinal positions, I believe, I believe that whether reading the book or going to the movie, you might have a revelation of God's love for you. And my job as a pastor is to try to point you in those directions every chance I get. It's all about a relationship with him. So I hope that today, you know, maybe you heard something that spoke to you very directly. Maybe today just serves as an encouragement to, to see something, to release, to be freed, to go see something and not worry so much about every little, every little detail. But ultimately what I'm encouraging you to do is take advantage of every opportunity to experience God's love for you. Um, because that is the only thing that I have found in this life that changes things. It's the only thing I found in this life that heals, redeems, changes. It's the only thing. Let's pray together. Father God, this morning, um, we just confess that uh, we love you and... Um, we want to, to know you more. We want to uh, experience your love for us more. We want to have encounters with you. We know that you're in that business. We see that all throughout Scripture. You're in the business of... of uh, uh, of appearing to us, speaking to us, revealing yourself to us, and helping us understand your great love for us. And so today I pray that over every person in this room. I, I pray whatever, God, I know that you have a plan, and I just pray we have eyes to see, ears to hear, have a heart that's open to hear from you. So God, thank you for the time that we have, the relationships that are in this room, as, as Mark even spoke about. Uh, I'm grateful that that I have a relationship with with each person here, and, and, and that we can share our hearts and um, find that place of authenticity and vulnerability. So, Father God, we uh, we are grateful today for the life that you bring to us, and it's in Jesus' name, Amen.